Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to the Cinema Slayers podcast. We have a very fun episode for you guys today. We are doing a Venom episode. We are going to talk about our likes, dislikes, and your thoughts that you sent to us via Facebook about the Sony movie Venom. I almost said blockbuster, but we're not quite to that status yet. And as always, well, not recently, but he is back. This man has been gone for a little while. He's back. He got tired of body slamming, wanted to take a little break to do a podcast with us. Justin. Hey, Cine fans, I'm back from my exploits in New Japan Pro Wrestling Camp in California. And of course, when I'm not busting heads with the people of New Japan Pro Wrestling, I'm sitting back, maxing, relaxing and watching some movies. So how's everybody doing? And we have the resident voice of reason, Heather. Oh, I'm the voice of reason. That's good to know. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And last but certainly not least, we have the Oklahoma two-jobber, Devin. Hey, guys. Thanks for making the choice to listen to the man with the caramel voice. Sit back, relax, and prepare to be disappointed, just like I was with Venom. And just because I didn't say this earlier, the silky tones you're listening to are me, the bearded one, the Fox News of the podcast, Sterling. Now, we are going to jump right into this. We all saw Venom this opening weekend, and we have a lot of thoughts about this movie, and we are going to jump right into what we liked about this movie, and we're starting with Heather. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I am going to have to be real honest about it. <laughs> there was not many things that I could say I liked about the movie. Um the thing that I just keep going back to with it is the, I like the ambition of the movie. You know, I like what the, I like the idea of what they tried to do of making it without Spider-Man and trying to make it its own thing apart from that, having its own story and its own origin and all of that where Spider-Man wasn't involved. I thought that that was um, commendable. Um, and that is, is honestly the only thing I could say I liked about the movie. <laughs> Dang. I know. Um, I know. Commendable. I love that. I love it. Great job, Heather. <laughs> what? Man, you are, you are a trooper. Thank you, Heather. You're wonderful. I try. <laughs> and we're going to now hear from Devin. Okay. So a few things I did like. Um, I liked that Eddie Brock was a character and that Tom Hardy most certainly understood that character that he was portraying. He was very consistent in his portrayal. I also um, liked a lot of the action sequences um, with Venom, the actual symbiote uh, fully transformed. That was all right. <laughs> okay. Is that really all you have, Devin? That, hey, man. Hey, listen. It's uh, I, this is hey, yeah. <laughs> no, no, man. That's the, all. All the positive cut out. That's it. That's all that came out. I tried to get more out. I was like, I was even rocking back and forth trying to get it out, and it was just it's too big to negativity. Clock everything up. <laughs> And then since we are done with Devin, we will now move to Justin. <laughs> okay. 
Well, I have uh, so much to work off of after um <laughs> after you two guys went. But um You're welcome. <laughs> yes, there's a lot to go to walk to work with. So when I look at this movie, I mean, man, I'm just so upset that I couldn't like it more than I did, but I really am a big fan of Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams. So I, I like these I like these actors. So when I see them on screen, th- there's a tendency for me to sometimes forgive the material just because I like who the actor is. And Tom Hardy really is the driving force behind this film. His charisma, his ability to make sometimes the stupidest line kind of funny with his delivery or his ability to take the situation and the material he was given and kind of elevate it is apparent in this movie. And there are times where I did genuinely laugh at something he said or his mannerisms or the way he did things. So if there is any positive takeaway from this movie, I would say it was him. And whenever we get to a later progression in the film where there are interactions with him and the symbiote suit. Some of those interactions are funny. Some of those back and forths that he had with the symbiote suit, I I was laughing. There were people in the theater that thoroughly enjoyed it. So I can say the, the one positive from this, I do believe is Tom Hardy. I do believe that he was his acting, not so much the character he was playing, because we'll get into negatives in a minute, but I will say that his acting did elevate this film somewhat uh, above what it could have been had it had possibly been someone different. So, but yeah, that's about it for me. Anybody want to comment on what Justin said before we go into my likes? Um, I'd like to make a comment. I would like to say in the spirit of Justin being forgiving, because out of an actor he likes, I will be the unforgiven. And since I'm not the only unforgiven, I guess I'm unforgiven too. <laughs> it's an inside joke. <laughs> oh. And on that note, <laughs> we'll go into my likes. And I can say with 100% certainty by going last in this that we saved the best likes for the last because each and every one of you had 100% more likes about this movie than I did. Um, <laughs> I don't really think, I mean, I won't go into it too much. Uh, there's, I just didn't like anything um, at all. Uh, the, somehow, like, there, I, I can't really find anything uh, like, you know, the there were times that the CGI looked good, but then there were times that the CGI looked bad. There were times that the acting was good, and there were times it was bad. Uh, it there was just zero consistency with anything throughout this movie. Um, and like I said, I'm I'm not going to go into this too much because this whole be- belongs in the next section. It's just that uh, no, I didn't like anything at all. Um, I thought the movie was both too long and too short at the same time. So I didn't even like the runtime of the movie. Uh, I didn't like the credits. That didn't even bring anything to me, like relief that the movie was over because there was uh, some bullshit in them. So I didn't like those. Um, pretty much from like the first five seconds into that movie, the, the very intro of that movie with the spaceship. Yeah, I knew it was going to suck. Uh, and it did nothing to prove me wrong at all. I don't even feel like it tried. So I don't even give it like ambition, like Heather said. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just nothing. 
nothing was good about this movie at all. And I guess that's what I'll say. I liked that nothing was fucking good in this movie at all. Because <laughs> it gives me something to say during our like section. Because otherwise I had nothing else to fucking say. Can you imagine if we like ended our podcast now, like with only <laughs> only the good things? It's like well, the shortest podcast ever. Well, I mean, you know, I think that, you know, the Cinna fans out there would understand the me, but they wouldn't understand the you. Oh, my God. Please stop referencing that Metallica song. <laughs> Since, you <Yes>. know, <laughs> inside jokes work so well on a podcast, we're going to then move on to what we did not like about this movie. And we'll go in a reverse order of our likes. So I'll start this off. Man, oh, man. This movie, Venom. Um, I barely think you can call it a movie. I kind of think it was just a bunch of shit that happened on screen and people filmed it and then people put some computer graphics on that shit and then they put some like a soundtrack to it. Somebody did some Foley art. Um, somebody edited that edited that together and then uh, released it into cinemas across the nation and world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's pretty much all this fucking movie was. It, uh, you know, Justin was talking about Tom Hardy. He was great and all this other stuff. But I mean, when you're acting like a bag of wet garbage, because that's what the character was written as. I can't really say Tom Hardy was good, like good at acting because he was playing a shitty character. Like the character had nothing to it. Uh, Michelle Williams had the emotional range of a piece of wood, like a popsicle stick. Um, Stick Stickly from Nickelodeon back in the day had more emotional range than she had. And he was just a popsicle stick with googly eyes. There was just so much happening that was inconsistent. It, they really blew their budget on everything they did with the symbiote because anytime, like when they did that motorcycle chase scene uh, through the streets of San Francisco, that looked like a Super Nintendo game. It had no fucking texturing to it. The lighting was completely just garbage. Uh, I, I literally like Donkey Kong Country on the N64 with its, you know, with the uh, 32 bit chip built into the cartridge had smoother graphics than that fucking scene did. Um, <laughs> the story was a fucking mess. They couldn't decide what they wanted to do. They were trying to do lethal protector separation anxiety. Uh, any of the new fucking stories they did. Um, it just was a fucking mess. Um, so much so that like, I don't know what like legitimately what their thought processes were when they did most of this movie. Cause they were like, well, Venom needs to start as a bad guy and become a good guy so we can cram 20 years worth of fucking comics into 30 seconds of movie. But they didn't even do that because Venom at the beginning of the movie wasn't really a villain. He ate some bad guys, but you can actually write that off the, the fact that he's an alien. Why would he have moral qualms about eating people? He's not a person. You can't get mad at a lion for eating a gazelle and call it a villain. That's just what it was doing to survive. That's what they do. So. To say that Venom eating people's heads for a little bit of the movie made him a villain is is just complete bonkers. So he never had the story arc of going from a villain to a hero. He went from an alien blob attached to a guy to an alien blob attached to a guy. That was the story arc of Eddie Brock and Venom in this movie. Um, I am completely blanking on the guy that played... Uh, the villain in this movie, which makes me sad because I actually like this guy. Uh, Riz Ahmed. Yes. Um, he is a fantastic actor. Uh, if you you need to go watch 
the night of the HBO miniseries. This guy is fantastic. Uh, he they could have done something like they did with his character in that show and put that in the movie where he was where he could have been slightly conflicted, where he you know he could have that weighing on him of I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to do something for the greater good of humanity, but you know what I have to do to do that might be wrong. You can have him tackle with those issues a little bit, have some duality about it all, and then be exposed to riot and then just kind of lean more into the, no, the ends justify the means type of situation that would have given that villain some depth. But instead they gave us a one dimensional villain. He wasn't even 2d. He was literally a line. He was just a line on a piece of paper. There was zero depth of anything to him. And that's incredibly depressing considering what kind of actor he was. Then you have, you throw in Ginny Slate who played uh, Dora Skirth, which I guess she played that character well, because that character was written like you could have grabbed a homeless woman off the street and it would have gotten the same performance because that character had a bunch of nothingness to it. None of the characters had anything to them except for uh, what Reed Scott's character who played, uh, I, I believe that was the, the, the Dr. Dan Lewis. That was the boyfriend of Michelle Williams character at some point in the show. He was the yes, only character yes. that had had anything. He was literally the only character that had any sense of characteristics of a person. No one else in that movie was a person. They were all just things on a screen. He was the only one that actually resembled humanity in any way, shape or form. And he's on the <laughs> screen for maybe six minutes of this entire movie. So, I mean, I can't even give that real credit just for the sheer fact that it was pointless in the end. I mean, you could have not had Michelle Williams character in this movie and had the same movie. You could have like 90% of the cast of this movie yeah. doesn't matter in the end. You could write all their characters off and you would get the same movie. None of it mattered. Um, and on top of that, when they do these things with this character to just do Easter eggs. So they have, and this is spoilers. If you haven't seen this movie, I don't know why the fuck you're listening to this. And I've spoiled a lot for you already, but I'm going to spoil some more. At one point in the movie, Michelle Williams character gets the Venom suit and becomes she Venom. Yeah. From the comic Jesus. books. Eats a guy's head and just goes, huh? I ate a guy's head. That's crazy. No big deal. No, just, no, no, just no. cannibalize someone. Why, why is nobody, like, yeah, like, why is nobody flipping the fuck out? That was one of the great things about that story arc in the comics is that she ate some people and flipped the fuck out because she was like, I ate people and it emotionally tormented her so much she killed herself. It's a very emotional and great arc from the comics that they kind of allude to just so they could CGI some breasts onto a Venom symbiote and to give you what? Nothing. Hey, hey. Just so she could be like, oh, I ate somebody. That was so, great. And they also gave you some ass. It wasn't just tits, man. Come on. They didn't, they, you know, come on. Sure. It doesn't matter either way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they could have had some Venom on Venom symbiote fucking at that point. It still wouldn't have fucking mattered. Well, you wouldn't be able to tell what would happen, though, because when he fights Riot, it's just, that's what it looks like. It looks like a big old symbiote orgy. <laughs> it's just... just yeah. everywhere. Oh my god, that was that was so bad. Oh my god, that was terrible. Next, I was getting to the action sequences because the best things about these action sequences is that I've seen every single fucking bit of it in every other movie that's come out in the last five fucking years. None of those action sequences brought anything new to the table. Anytime they did something spider-esque, 
like Spider-Man-esque, guess what? It was done better in Spider-Man. When they did some of the things where it's like, oh, they're fighting each other and the symbiotes are kind of flaring around. That just reminded me of some of the shit you would see in the Transformers movies. And oddly enough, done better in the Transformers movies. Like the, the, the slow motion spinning around everybody when it's fighting. Yeah, that was cool fucking, what, 30 years ago or whatever, or 20 years ago when the Matrix came out. Like, oh, we're going to do that again. They did a better version of that in Shrek. And it was a dated reference then. Like, everything about this movie was done better in another movie when it came to these action sequences. And the CGI, it's like, what were they waiting for to do a Venom symbiote? Like, for this movie, like, what about now made it any different? It, anytime the Venom symbiote kind of like did that half face thing on Eddie, which was stupid, it still looked like shit. It still looked like somebody took, like, what, Silly Putty, dyed it green, and kind of shoved it all on his face and kind of made it glisten with CGI. And, and, and to top it all off, the fact that Sony thought it was a great idea to do this without Spider-Man shows how fucking flawed Sony is with everything. Avi Rand is, who is responsible for any Spider-Man movie you've ever seen, to a degree, shows that he has no fucking clue what Spider-Man actually is. He knows it's a superhero that wears red and blue and shoots some web at shit. And that is his knowledge of the Spider-Man comics, because he does an interview where he says when they asked him if they were going to go rated R for the sequel, you know, to really kind of show Carnage. And he was like, well, that's the thing about Carnage as a character. You don't really have to be violent to show how scary he is. He can just be mentally terrifying and you would get the same effect. And then jackpot. And the funny thing about that is, is the character's name is fucking Carnage. You don't name something Carnage because it's just kind of scary and it fucks with you mentally. Like yeah. Carnage is known for making claws and axes and spears and, and, and any number of bladed weapons and slashing the fuck out of people. Now, it worked in the 1990s with the comic book code that they would either do black blood or show nothing at all. You could actually get away with that in a movie. I don't care if there's no blood in the movie. They could actually have Carnage slashing people's throats and not show blood. I'm fine with that. I've seen that in tons of movies. I don't care about that. But to actually just go out on a limb and say you're not going to show him cutting people in half, you could do it with no blood. You could even argue that his suit is kind of acidic and it sears the wounds and that's why there's no blood. I'll accept that reasoning. But to show like to say that he won't be violent and to say he won't be a sociopathic serial killer because that's what the character is. Shows how little he understands that. So when everybody's all fucking stoked about Carnage in the next movie, you're going to get more violence in a fucking Teletubbies episode. And honestly, I feel like I've spent too much fucking time talking about this shitty fucking movie that just sucks gigantic donkey balls. I am kicking this over to Justin. What did you not like about this movie? <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. What a, uh, what a very, um, passionate energetic um review you had but for me so just a moment ago i commented on tom hardy and i said that and i didn't say he was great i don't want anybody to misconstrue what i said i didn't mean to say he was great but what i said was that he has an ability a charisma to elevate sometimes the material he's given but when it comes to this film that's really the problem with this film we just told you you heard from different people that this film has some really good actors tom hardy is a good actor michelle williams is awesome and so is um and what was the last guy's name all the one riz ahmad ahmed riz ahmed he's an awesome actor too but 
to me, this is just one of the classic examples of where you can have an awesome cast, but if the writing is not good, if the if the tone is not consistent, if the movie doesn't really have anything to say, then then that script, that writing will fail every actor, <clears throat> no matter what line you give them, no matter how well they're trying to deliver the dialogue, <clears throat> it will fail them every single time. And I think that this is a classic example of that. I mean, right off the bat, the mo- the film is tried to move so quickly that you don't even really get a sense of time in this movie. I felt like at the beginning, it seemed like things just happened so fast. Like one minute, he's in this great relationship. He's this great reporter in San Francisco. Everything is honky-dory. All of a sudden, you know, there's some misinformation. He gathers some information from his fiance. He goes and he interviews our, our our villain and he tries to pry some information out of him. The interview doesn't go well. Suddenly he's fired. Suddenly his fiance doesn't want to marry him anymore. Oh, you lied to me. You got me fired. We're done. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to discuss it. And like when these things are happening so quickly with no with no transition or no, there's no discussion. There's no sense of what happened. You didn't show us. We didn't get to see Michelle Williams getting fired. We didn't get to see any of these things transpire. It just boom, 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 boom. Okay, now Tom Hardy doesn't have a a wife to be anymore. He doesn't have a job. Okay, now he's a deadbeat and he's doing yoga like you just can't do all of that so fast with such little explanations and expect people to just accept that. Not after we've seen so many movies for the past 20 years that have that have treated these superheroes correctly and have taken the time to tell those stories well and have taken the time to give you logical transitions. <laughs> I mean, that's just, and I, I don't feel like I'm asking for a lot here. Just, I just need to understand why things are happening. And then some of the decisions that the characters are making, like Dr. Dora. Okay. So we find out that our <laughs> villain, Ahmed is, he's using people as guinea pigs, trying to find how these symbiotes bond with people. And because he needs the perfect host. But if the symbiote combines with someone and they're not perfect, they're killing them. So he's just sending people to the slaughter. Let's find out who's going to perfectly bond with these symbiotes that we have, that we collected from space. Okay, she sees this and she's like, oh, man, I've got to do something about this. So her idea or her plan for trying to prevent this is to go to Eddie Brock, who has been fired. He hasn't been working for a new for the news in six months. He was ridiculed. He was fired. He's a deadbeat. And this is who you go to first to try to do something about this situation. And it's just things like that without any explanation. And then he goes, well, why did you go to the police? And she was like, well, I was afraid of what might happen to me if I went to the police. So the plan is to reach out to a deadbeat reporter who doesn't have any of the connections he used to have. He's not a martial artist. He's not a former, you know, military ops or anything. He has no special skills except reporting. 
That's all we know about Eddie Brock. That's all we were given in this film. And you go to him, he has no connections, nothing on the inside. And the plan is to sneak him into the building so that he can take pictures or something and try to expose this guy. Then, of course, this character, this Dr. Dora character, of course, they review footage and they go, oh, you let him in the building and then they kill her. So it was just like, I, I mean, I'm just sitting here going, well, what did any of that accomplish? Like, I just didn't understand why certain things were happening. And there's just <laughs> all types of things like that where characters are just doing things but uh, but the but the narrative is not giving us logic as to why they're doing certain things. And Michelle Williams' character, you said that she acted with the um with the skills of something like a a lollipop with two eyes. But to me, it was I, I didn't know if I was watching this or I was watching M Night Shyamalan split because for one minute she's <laughs> the happy happy fiance wife to be then she's the angry i don't want to marry you um yeah we're we're splitting up then she's the you know the apologetic oh I, okay forgiving okay i've got to take care of eddie brock so like she's jumping from and then yeah then she's a female symbiote and she's biting the head and going hmm that was interesting so she just jumped to so many different, whatever the scene needed, she just was. There was no transitions. There was no explanation of why. Whatever the scene needed, her character just was. And I think that is a microcosm for this film. Just in order to get from point A to point B, you just had events. But there was no real explanation. There was no good narrative to tie these events together. You didn't get a sense for character motivations. It just was scenes for the sake of getting to from point A to point B. So I think that is the biggest, the biggest, just unforgivable flaw of this film. Regardless of anything you might have liked, regardless of any joke you might have laughed at, regardless of you seeing actors on screen that you like. The narrative just lets you down time after time after time to the point to where it's just emotionally draining. So that would be my take on what I didn't like. I want to go back to talk about the doctor um, and just her apparent idiocy, because I, I really wanted to touch on this just for a second. She was dealing with the man. There's a portion where um, they try to bond the symbiote for the first time and they choose a bunny rabbit and it bonds with the rabbit and he pulls a Norman Osborne and goes go right to human trials and um, then um, Riz uh, then she goes oh we can't do that we haven't tested it and then um, <laughs> he goes directly to a veiled threat about murdering her children if she doesn't go directly to human trials Um and after she betrays this person, I mean, she was just like, hey, can we just do a little bit more experimenting before we go to human trials? And this man literally was like, well, you can and you can get your ki kids killed, too. How about that? And after she sneaks. <laughs> yeah, after she yes. betrays, she betrays <laughs> this individual who has all the money and power. She decides to stick around for a few days and see how it works out. Um, I just and, and her come up it's came so slow. There are there are cam this is 2018. There are cameras everywhere and 
in when they go into that building, um, there are cameras recording them. And for some reason, you don't have cameras where you keep your alien life forms that are supposed to lead humans <laughs> to the next stage of evolution. You only have to have a security card <laughs> to go in. You have armed guards patrolling the building at all hours of the night. But in <laughs> my Area 51, all you need is a security card and you can just get to my aliens as in my test subjects my human test subjects that I am killing the hell. I'm killing hella. I'm going through more. I'm going through humans like Kardashians go through athletes. Uh, and it's it's ridiculous. That's I want to just say that to that. I just oh, so stupid. Fuck, this movie's dumb. <laughs> well, I wanted to bring something up real quick based on what you said, Justin. Um, It was something I did forget to bring up earlier in my like 10 minute long rant about why I hated this movie. Um, <laughs> Is the fact that you you were bringing up some of the jokes and things like that, and uh, I, I did forget to say in in my my little spiel earlier that uh, the fact that anybody would call them jokes is very generous. Um, <laughs> most of it was a ripoff of Deadpool two, um, and that scene where he goes down the elevator and then the Venom symbiote in his head calls him a pussy. That's that's ripped off like straight from Deadpool two with the interactions between uh, Deadpool and Cable. It's the same type of delivery. Everything about it is just a ripoff of Deadpool 2. And it's not even done in a good way. And then they kept the worst line in movie history from the trailer. They kept it in the final movie with the whole, you'll be uh, like rolling around like a turd in the wind. And like they're acting like that's a fucking saying that people say that. <laughs> no one in the history of ever had actually said those words before until this venom thing and it's not even a good imagery it's not even like they did a good job of painting a picture with it it's just stupid and the fact that people actually laughed at them is what actually gives me no hope for this country moving forward nothing to do with politics or anything else the fact that people laughed at those two instances that i said earlier gives me no hope for humanity and i am totally on with Carlton Drake's character, we need to all get symbiotes and we all need to be murdered because of that. Now, Devin, what did you not like about this movie? Okay, it's interesting that they chose Venom as the main character for this film because Venom, by definition, is a poison which is administered through a bite or a scratch. Um, this film is the coiled serpent that has bit the foot of Sony's Spider-Verse. And once the neurotoxin finally reaches the heart of this franchise, it will asphyxiate on its own vomit and die. And I couldn't be happier. In a lot of ways, I'm actually happy this film came out. Um, I have wanted nothing more than Marvel to reclaim all of Spider-Man's rogues galleries. I, I am going to prophesy that Venom is going to do well in the box office. But it is not going to do well enough. And they're going to maybe make one or two more of these spinoff movies. Um, and while Venom will do well, without a doubt, the audience will not go see the rest of these movies. People say they like these now, but you can always see it when they expand to the sequels or the spinoffs. Just like with the first Spider-Man uh, that uh, Sony did as far as the Amazing Spider-Man when they, they rebooted it. Um 
A lot of people went and saw it and it was all right, but it didn't leave the staying power to go back to the theater to see it. And they relinquished uh, Spider-Man to Marvel and they will relinquish the rest of his rogues gallery, including Venom, to um, Marvel. And that's a good thing. It's going to take a while because by that time, people in retrospect will look at this movie and realize at least that it's not that good. People may not say it's outright shit because it is, but it, it, at least it's not that good. Now, let me get into what I didn't like about this movie. And I want to try to point out some things that you guys haven't. So, guys, if you're listening and I say some of the same things, uh, I'm sorry. There are just a lot of the same irksome qualities to this movie uh, that that really get to us. But I'm going to try to be creative. So first thing for me is narrative inconsistency. Um, like, let me let me um, expound on that. For some reason, the symbiotes had different effects on every single person that they attached to. Let me give you an example. So uh, there's a scene where there's a, a black individual. They didn't give him a name, but he's one of the test subjects and he bonds with the symbiote. And they say he's been bonded with it for, you know, a, a day or so or something. Like that. I don't know the time frame and he's doing fine. And then he starts wigging out like Samara or a ring girl or whatever and uh, dies a violent, convulsing death. Um, and then a symbiote will attached to another person and kill him in seemingly seconds. But at the, be at the beginning of the film, the symbiote riot escapes and he bonds to um, uh, J. Jonah Jameson's son, by the way, who they just glossed over like, oh, that's Jameson right there. Uh, that's J. Jonah Jameson's son, the um, founder of the Daily Bugle, his father. <laughs> his father he's, uh, that's that's uh, that's J. Jonah Jameson's son, man. If he died in a crash uh, associated with a company, J. Jonah Jameson would have been investigating that company himself, by the by. And the fact that they just glossed that over because they can't use them because I guess Marvel has J. Jonah Jameson. I'm not sure. But or that would have just been great writing um, that <sighs> Jesus, that whole company would be in such a shit storm. Anyway, I got to stay on this. But. It goes from J. Jones to Jameson to the to one of the uh, people who's driving the ambulance and then it wrecks the ambulance and that person goes out to a fish market and then it kills like five people and then jumps inside an elderly woman and then apparently um, takes six months to walk to the airport in Malaysia. And I'm not speculating. It does a <laughs> six months later. and. Sometime in the choppy editing, editing, editing of this, because they couldn't have meant to do that. If you're editing this film, you, you couldn't have meant to say that this thing took six months to get to the airport. And if you did, that's just poor sloppy writing. Either way, it sucks. And then so the whole point of these symbiotes is they have to find the perfect match. But if this elderly woman can survive six months with this thing in her body, that seems like a pretty decent match to me. And I didn't understand how come some people when they were attached to a symbiote were zombies. I mean, they went straight night of the living dead with these people. I mean, they were hobbling around. I didn't know if I was watching Venom or the walking Venom or the symbiote dead or what I was watching at points in times because it turns some into zombies and some people like Eddie Brock and um, whatever that dudes, uh, whatever. What was the uh, evil corporation man's name? Carlton Drake. 
Let me see. Uh, Carlton Drake. Yeah. Uh, Carlton Drake showed no signs of even being being contracted with a symbiote at all. While Eddie Brock was vomiting and he, he had sweats and he was, you know, eating lobsters out of uh, a fish tank in front of everybody. He had these huge changes in his personality. But um, Drake, he was he was cool, man. It's like he he didn't have anything happen to him. So there's, it's just all over the place. It's everywhere in the narrative. Um, it There is not a single consistent symptom of having a symbiote in you at all in this entire movie. And it drove me crazy. I couldn't stand it. The next thing, Eddie Brock's characterization. Um, if you truly are a fan of the Spider-Man comics, ace reporter Eddie Brock, lover of the homeless, servant to humanity, should have made you laugh your ass off in that theater. Because I do not know any iteration of a noble Eddie Brock. Uh, I do not. I've never read an iteration of an Eddie Brock um, that is a virtuous character. And if there is a version like that in the comics, it's a shit version. I don't care. Just because it's in the comics doesn't mean it's good. Um, and I just I hated it. I His character was nothing like Eddie Brock at all. That is not Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock is self-centered. He's a meathead. He loves working out. The whole purpose of Eddie Brock in the comic is because he's the antithesis of Peter Parker. Uh, so he's not smart. He's big, ripped up and full of muscles. He doesn't do his job well, well, where Peter Parker excels and he doesn't like Peter Parker. And I guess they didn't go with that because there was no Peter Parker. There was no Spider-Man to play off of. So I guess they want to make him his own man. But then why would you allude to him even being in New York and getting in trouble at the paper he once worked for? Um, and since I'm talking about the characterization of Eddie Brock, uh, I have to talk about talk about the characterization of Venom. Venom is not a loser on his planet. The symbiotes that he that you saw, like Riot and Scream, which was the yellow one. And um, I can't remember who the other one. Sterling probably knows who's the purple symbiote. I forget. Um, I that could be either Lasher yeah. or uh, yeah. Well, Lasher is typically blue. I mean, there's any number of ones when they did them. They don't all technically have names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll say it's Lasher. We'll just go with Lasher. Those are Venom's kids. It wasn't like they're in a, a high school on their planet and the symbiotes are bullying Venom or anything like that. They come for him, come from Venom because uh, symbiotes reproduce asexually. Uh, and I just hated that. I hated it so much. I couldn't stand the characterization of what they did with them. Just to be technically correct, it is agony. That was oh, agony. Oh, it was agony. Okay. Was that's, you know, that's great. That'd be, that'd be that's agony. great because that was what I was in in this movie at points in times. Pure, unadulterated <laughs> agony. Agony. Like I had been bitten by something venomous. Um, and then the last thing is the pacing of this film. This film wanted to get it over with as quickly as possible. This film from its entire inception has been a rush, a rushed and flawed mess. And that's what it is. This film wanted to end as quickly as it could. So you wouldn't pick it apart too much. And it's evident in how they edited it. It's evident in how they ended this. No consequences at the end of this film. Eddie Brock turned into a 
10 foot man eating monster on the streets of Los Angeles and nobody noticed that. San Francisco. Sorry, San Francisco. Um, And no one noticed that. This is 2018. Everyone has a cell phone. That's like if um, um, uh, Anderson Cooper turned into a 10 foot monster in San Francisco. Everybody would know that you can't turn into <laughs> 10 foot monsters. You can't do it. And you especially can't eat someone today in public because people will see you and you won't have a consequence free life. <laughs> no one saw anything. He was driving around on a motorcycle with tentacles and tendrils shooting out of his body. And there was not nary a single consequence from the public. And that's silly. Superhero films and even supervillain films are smarter than this. And we know that they can be written better and they can be paced better. And if they just would have taken their time and tried to tell one story, I think there's probably 10 years of comic books in this movie. Easy. And it's just a shame in several universes. I mean, they pull from anything and everywhere. And I don't require that a um, comic book movie follow the comic books narratively the exact same or even some of the characterizations because i think comic book books can get very convoluted and you don't have the time to invest in the characters when you're watching them on the screen versus when you're reading about them but i do need them to feel like those characters they're portraying and i didn't feel like i was watching an eddie brock i didn't feel like i was watching anything related to any of the story I grew stories I grew up reading. It was just so off base and it was tone deaf and it wasn't funny and the dialogue was shitty too. And yeah, that's it. Just because, you know, people keep bringing up points. I feel the need to say more. Don't worry, Heather. <laughs> we will get to you. We will get to you, Heather. <laughs> we will. I promise you are next. But I mean, a lot of what you said was right, Devin. I mean, it's just this story felt like all they wanted was to just introduce Venom in movie form outside of Spider-Man 3. Um, it really is like they learned the wrong lessons from the amazing Spider-Man movies that you brought up to where they were trying to use the Spider-Man movies to set up a Sinister Six movie when it should be the other way around. You use Sinister, you use like Spider-Man, like you use the Sinister, Sinister Six in Spider-Man movies to set up a Sinister Six Spider-Man movie. Whereas with this, they tried to set up a Venom movie just so they could have a Venom movie. Like, fuck what the actual character is. You know, fuck what it means. You know, fuck its history. We just want Venom as a character, even without Spider-Man. It goes to the fact that they want to do a Morpheus movie. Uh, they are doing a Morpheus movie. Morpheus? Oh, I don't think I'm right on that. Uh, Michael Morbius. Morbius. Michael Morbius. Yeah. Morbius. Yeah. Yes, yes. Michael I'm sorry. Morbius. I've been drinking. All right. Morbius. Morbius. They are doing a vampire movie. They are using a, another Spider-Man villain who is a vampire who actually can work a little bit better on its own without Spider-Man, but they're still, they're doing that. And it's going to be Jared Leto as Morbius. And so they're doing that just so they can have a movie. They were for a long time wanting to do a Black Cat Silver Sable movie because, you know, that's what everybody really wants to D-list Spider-Man characters, you know, having their own movie. I mean, Sony was so hard up one time. They were thinking about doing a Aunt May prequel where she was like a CIA spy. Whoa, what? Hey. Yes, this was around the same time they were doing hey. this in Spider-Man. 
They that was one of the things. Sterling, that hold in their on head. a second. You mean to tell me that Jared Leto's gonna get to play another pale super villain with a weird mouth? Sign me up. Because that didn't go bad at all last time. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Sony is learning the wrong lessons. They're just, it's, it really is Spider-Man 3 all over again. They just honestly assume if they just give you a character you want or a reference that you want, that is just as good as giving you what you actually want. You know, so if you're like, man, I really want a slice of apple pie and somebody waterboards you with applesauce. Like, no, it's the same thing because it's apple flavored. <laughs> you just, true. You just compare Sony to Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> no, no, I, com- <laughs> I compared applesauce and apple pie to Venom and Spider-Man. I just, you know, decided to make it waterboarding you with applesauce if you want apple pie. See, I do think that is an interesting point, though, because like. I would say an example of the way that I've seen it done right before with the, you know, nods to other characters, but they don't necessarily go crazy with it is, um, I think it was Dark Knight Rises where they had that reference to Robin at the end of it, you know, and then everyone's like, oh, is there going to be this movie about it? And everybody wants a movie about it. And that would actually make more sense in a lot of these movies of things that they're making. But that was, that was a smart way to do it though. It was like a nod to that. You know what I mean? But they didn't go overboard and they weren't they didn't make a movie just to make the movie. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they've done here. But yeah. And you might as well keep going, Heather, because it is your turn for dislikes. OK, um, so, I mean, you know, like everyone else is saying, it's it's kind of hard to, to find new things to be like upset about with this movie because there are a lot of things. But the ones that bother me most are ones that a lot of you have said. Um. Uh, but I mean, the main the main problem, honestly, is it's just a really superficial script. You know, the story is just really superficial. There's there's no moral. There's no deeper meaning to the story at all. It's just a movie to be a movie, you know, and if it were a little bit more entertaining, I could accept that more. But it just it didn't pay off. I don't know. It was like everyone else is saying it is really cheesy none of the jokes for me really landed that well like at all um and characters were really one-dimensional for the most part you know um like everyone else like i'm a huge fan of tom hardy i think he's a phenomenal actor you know but i even in this movie unfortunately he for me he was not really a likable he's not somebody for me that i was specifically rooting for in the film even though he was the main character he was the protagonist per se i just nothing about how they wrote him as a character in this movie for me made me feel like i need to really root for this guy i really relate to this guy or anything like that you know and i would say performance wise honestly i think riz ahmed i mean i think he was a more interesting character he did a more interesting character with carlton drake um you know, they did really good with the, you know, showing his God complex that he has. And I think that they actually kind of, they could have done more with it, obviously, but I think they did a decent job with that. Um, and g- going back again to you guys talking about Jenny Slate as the doctor, definitely it was unexpected. And Sterling, you do make a good point about like, they could have made that character anyone. Honestly, they could have done that with Michelle Williams character too. But um you know, it's she she wasn't super necessary. The character wasn't super necessary. I don't think she was bad as the character, but I don't think that it was 
yeah, super necessary other than the point of we need something that's going to get Eddie Brock in here where he's going to be infected by Venom, you know? And um, yeah, so, but it just, I, I don't know. And I just feel like, again, Michelle Williams' talent was super wasted on this movie. Um, yeah. Th- for, for me, there was no chemistry between them no connection between them. Nothing made me feel like they were an actual real couple that was ever in love at any point, you know? Um, and that just kind of bothered me because it's like, you know, if that's the thing that he was living for and the thing that made his life become derailed is this big, huge thing, this offense that he did towards her and, you know, Oh, I ruined everything because I loved you. And I just, I didn't feel that from the characters chemistry together. Um, I think specifically a scene that really irked me. Um, some people might have liked it, but for me, the scene where um, I think it was after the car chase scene and then he's just kind of, um, you know, he's like laying on the ground and then Venom just comes out of his body and just starts talking to him face to face. For me, I just thought that, that was so bad. really weird and cheesy oh. and it just didn't work for me. It kind of just made it more <laughs> lame. I'll, I don't know. That just, I didn't, care for that scene it was just kind of feel felt out of place in my opinion um it tried way too hard to be funny i think marvel in general is good at making their movies funny um you know if you look at the avengers and the thor movies the guardians of the galaxy they're they have a lot of movies that are funny and this one tried really too hard and it just did not land um ultimately it, the movie just made me feel nothing, you know, I like it was, I didn't feel anything for the characters. I didn't feel anything for the situation. I wasn't enthralled and really captivated by the action. You know, I just didn't feel anything for the movie, honestly. Um, I, yeah, I just, it was just too, there were, it was too all over the place and it tried, I think, to be too many things that it wanted to do with it and then none of them stuck mm-hmm. so yeah it just it was it was too it, it was just too all over the place for me and it's really flat storytelling and script and it's honestly nothing you haven't seen before and it just it's not yeah it's just not my cup of tea <laughs> and i think that's it for me well just to kind of really just add to what she said but yeah i totally agree that the 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 part at the end where heather was talking about how it's just seemed like it was just a bunch of different ideas and things all mixed together i mean that's just a a, a really good way to put it because it was like this this cocktail this terrible like amalgamation of things because uh, you know one minute it's almost like a buddy cop movie. Then another minute, it's it's an alien invasion. Then it was trying to be a love story. But then it was trying to be like, it just felt like at different times, kind of like what I said, at from just to for the sake of getting from point A to point B or wherever we needed to get for the movie, it would just morph into all these different things. But there was no way to put all of that together to mean something, to mean something about, was it a movie about friendship? Was it a movie about acceptance? Was it a movie about what was this about? Right. And I just what would was the challenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I would just challenge anyone who liked this 
to really tell me what this was about. Because is it about two <laughs> losers can be winners? I don't know what this was about. <laughs> so I mean, I and totally I think agree that's with that. Just, yeah. yeah, and I think that's just the most horrible thing about it. Because and and that's why it's like I struggled to how could you call this a good movie when we've seen so many movies where there are messages, where there are morals, there are things that mean something. How could you sit through Spider Man Homecoming? And think and 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 that have such a great message and it'd be so good and then sit through this and say, oh, yeah, this is good, too. And that's just the <laughs> weirdest thing to me. Like, they, I mean, because they are night and day when it comes to uh, meaningful dialogue, character motivations, um, transitioning of events and why characters are doing certain things and character motivations they're like night and day but 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 that spider-man homecoming movie this is the same audience this is the same audience going to see this this film and i just can't believe that they that the same people would enjoy this after sitting through both of those i just don't (laughs) get it yeah now, I'm actually going to come to this movie's defense a little bit, Justin, because, I mean, you guys were talking about, like, what's the moral, what's the meaning um, behind a lot of this movie? And I think that's being a little unfair. I, I don't necessarily think that movies have to have a meaning or a moral or something or a message behind what they're saying all the time. But to go with what you're saying, though, I would ask, what's the point of this movie? It didn't even do anything to justify its fucking existence. What is the point of it? Yeah. Yeah. Like. Exactly. Like a me- like a message. Like they don't have to have a message, but at least give me a point. Was this, like you said, was it, was it like a, a buddy cop movie? Was it, I mean, honestly, one thing they could have really leaned into more that would have been amazing for a Venom type of intro and stuff like that would have been a body horror movie. Like grasping the fact that your body is taking o- been taken over by an alien, yeah, that is with you all the time. They kind of hint towards it, and I really thought they actually might be going down that road at the beginning when they really had Eddie Brock, you know, get uh, you know bonded with Venom. I really thought they were going to kind of start going down that body horror route. And I thought that would have been amazing. That's something this character really lends itself to. That would have been a very interesting way of tackling this character but instead they just went oh he's kind of freaked out ah, it's been 10 minutes he's fine now he 100 accepts what the fuck's going on now because they've been around for 10 minutes because that's all you need to adjust to anything taking over your body yeah so let's you know we'll we'll go ahead and we'll 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 stop bashing this movie for a little bit to a degree um Let's just go ahead and give our scores and recommendations, and then we'll go into what some of our audience has said, and you know we'll discuss some of those aspects of it. So, Heather, uh, let us know what would you give the score uh, for this movie? What would you recommend this movie? And I also do want to know which Venom did you prefer, Topher Grace or Tom Hardy? Um, my score is going to be. Um, let me see. Let's call it thirty restaurant mental breakdowns out of a (laughs) hundred it's yeah 30 percent for me um i do not (laughs) i do not recommend it um i just there's just not 
anything to it for me that I feel like it's a must see in any sort of way. Um, especially probably I would feel like if you are a fan of, you know, the comics and everything, I feel like it's really going to be a letdown and I haven't even read them, but from what I've heard and understand of it, it would just be a letdown, honestly. So I do not recommend the movie, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, let's see the, let's see. I prefer it's, it's rough to say because I do prefer Tom Hardy's portrayal of Venom over Topher Grace's. But if I had to choose which movie I would rather watch, it would definitely be Spider-Man (laughs) three. No, no, no. Not which movie, but just which Venom did you like better? Which portrayal of Venom did you like better? Okay. Well then I, what I said before, I choose Tom Hardy over Topher Grace. All right. Part of the reason I just kind of bring up the whole, like, I would choose the Spider-Man 3 movie to watch, though, is because I really, really strongly dislike Spider-Man 3. And that's how much I really, really dislike Venom if I would choose Spider-Man 3 over that. So if that tells you anything about my opinion of this movie, that's kind of why I put that in there. But um, but yeah, Devin, your turn. All right. Well, I'm going to give this film 30 razor sharp venom or symbiote teeth out of 100. Um, I recommend that you rent this movie and watch it. Uh, I actually think that comic book fans need to see this, uh, but not in theaters because that'll just pad the box office numbers. And if you can see it for free, I I think that you should do that even more. Uh, But it's not really a recommendation. I just think you should watch it uh, just to see this mess. and I prefer Tom Hardy's Venom because at least Tom Hardy has the physique of a man instead of a saltine cracker like Topher Grace. <laughs> so and the Venom was big. At least he was big. I mean, they had Venom. Venom was standing like five, six in that goddamn Spider-Man 3 movie. He looked like a straight up bitch. I could have I could have fucking fought him. And one, and he got beat by poles. Fuck, man, fuck that movie. Fuck both these movies. <laughs> Justin, your turn. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, man. Well, man, you guys were really mean. I'm going to go so, so much higher than you guys, and I'm going to give it 33%. Um, so much higher. <laughs> so yeah um this 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 movie is just not good guys i i mean if you haven't if you couldn't tell that by the last uh, hour we've been talking about it it's just it's not a good movie now would i recommend this um y- y- yes if, if you're a person who watch who watches comic book movies uh, of of course you have to see it you have to see all of the films so this is one of them so you have to see it but I, I really think you need to see it because I feel like movies like this will make you appreciate more what's coming or when you see things that are better, especially if you're people kind of like us that like to really uh, get down to the nitty gritty and analyze them. Um, the, uh, to what Sterling was saying about which Venom version is better, this, and I hate to say it because even though in a lot of ways, the 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 story that they did with Spider-Man 3 with the the with the bell and how Topher Grace got the Venom suit. We've seen versions of that before in different comics in the Spider-Man cartoon. That was a more accurate telling 
of how Venom came to be, but and it wasn't completely accurate, but more accurate than this Tom Hardy film. But like we've discussed before, accurate doesn't always mean better. I do feel that this that the Tom Hardy version of Venom is uh, not not necessarily. How do I say this? In a way, it did remind me a little bit more of Venom. The 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 symbiote suit talking to him. The 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 quips with each other back and forth. The back and forth of what should I do? Should I not do? And then Venom expressing his opinion and saying, "Oh, we do need to do this, or you should do this." That th- those that aspect of Venom is something that happens in the comic. Of course, it's done way better in the comics and the story and background. And then there's the stuff with Spider-Man and the motivations are better, but it does happen. So and and the movie does have that, which is more than what I could say for Spider-Man 3. So I'm in the same boat as Heather and Devin. I preferred this Tom Hardy version of Venom. I do think that in some ways it was closer to what I imagined Venom being in the comic books, especially the banner back and forth between him and um, Eddie Brock. So that's what I feel. Well, as far as scores go, this movie will be in rarefied air. I saved this score uh, when I feel a very strong dislike for a movie. I've given it once before and Venom does qualify for this. So I give this movie negative 100. This is complete fucking bullshits out of 100. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Our first negative score, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Jesus. Well, well, this is the first on the podcast, but this is the second time I've given the rarefied negative 100 out of 100. Um, I just I, I don't see any redeeming qualities in this movie. Uh, I don't recommend this, even if you like comic book movies. Um, I don't re- recommend this to anybody. I I could hate somebody with the fiery passion of a thousand burning suns, and I still would not recommend they watch this movie. It's just nothing. Nothing about it matters in the end. If this movie just stopped airing completely tomorrow and was never sh- like nobody could ever see this movie again, I think the world would be a better place for that. And as far as which Venom I preferred or liked out of these, I'm actually going against you guys. I think the Topher Grace Venom was a more honest portrayal of Venom for the sheer fact that you actually understood the motivations of it. Now, I understand what Justin's saying with some of the portrayal aspects of it uh, with the whole suit talking to it. But considering he was the villain of the movie and was, you know, you're not going to get those aspects in that type of movie uh, at that point. So I just think it was a more honest portrayal of the character uh, with its motivations. Um, And to me, that ends up making it feel a little more accurate in in the essence of the character. Uh, While, yes, Devin, it wasn't physically the same character, uh, but just the fact that it was tied into Spider-Man, the fact that he got the suit at a church. I mean, I liked that. That was just a nice little, you know, add to it because that is how uh, Venom gets on Eddie Brock. Um, But just in general, like the fact that he had that unbridled hatred uh, towards Spider-Man and that was what his motivations were. And they were actually very clear in this movie. Whereas in, in the Venom movie, there is no motivation. He's like, 
you know, he goes from I need a host to I want to save the human race all because him and Eddie Brock hung out for 10 minutes. Yep. And his whole <laughs> you know, out, outlook on existence changed because, you know, Eddie Brock is a shining beacon of humanity and, <laughs> you know, could change anybody's mind on whether or not they should just kill all humans. Uh, so it's it's little things like that that I just honestly feel made the Topher Grace version uh, a little bit better. Um, so now we are going going to go into a little audience section on this podcast where we did put out some stuff on social media earlier um, asking for uh, fan input on the Venom movie because we were going to discuss it tonight and we wanted to kind of gauge uh, what the reaction was from our our stuff is we, we we put out some feelers on Facebook just to kind of see what you guys thought about all this. And we got a lot of 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 positive responses to this movie. Um, there were some people saying it was the best movie they've ever seen. Um, there were a lot of people talking about how they really uh, liked the action. There were people that loved the way he looked. Um, there was a lot of people talking about how they liked how they portrayed the transition from villain to hero. Um, and I feel like we've touched on a lot of these things uh, with uh talking about a lot of our dislikes and stuff like that about this movie but uh is there anything like about what was said that maybe surprised you guys or that you might directly kind of want to respond to like when you know they mentioned that you know they portrayed that everything worked out fine without spider-man that was another thing that was brought up that this movie worked without spider-man like what would you think about this Okay, there is one that I want to respond to, and I got to find it because I want to make sure that I'm saying it right and that I'm um, that I'm that I'm not misconstruing somebody's words or their opinion on anything. So let me just get there real quick, because there was one that just had me kind of dizzy um, in what they were trying to say about the film, um, because even though they gave it a positive review, it didn't really seem like they liked it. So let me see if I can't find this one. Okay, um, somebody said the villain was kind of forgettable. Uh, they said they could have spent more time on the CGI and that not a lot of thought was put into the story. Uh, they liked Hardy, but overall it was a solid film. And I just don't understand how you cannot have <laughs> not a lot of thought put into the story. Uh, a villain that is forgettable and... um and uh, the CGI being wasted on one character and uh, still feel like it's a solid film. I uh, would like to talk to that person. And, and to add to that, Devin, that same person in their comments said, like, the villain is forgettable, but, uh, but that seems to be the trend. And I'm like, well, is it? Because the Infinity War developed Thanos. Black Panther had a really good villain in Killmonger. So is it the trend that every, that these villains are just have just been forgettable? Or I mean, because the last few movies, there's been evidence that they're trying a lot harder with these villains. I think that's fair to say about phase one and two of what MC, the MCU did. A lot mm -hmm. of your villains in those movies were forgettable. But phase three of the MCU really changed that. I mean, when yeah. you had Michael Keaton as the vulture, you had uh, Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. When you had uh, Kurt Russell as Ego, the living planet, mm -hmm. you had 
Josh, you had Josh Brolin as Thanos. They mm-hmm. really changed the game with that. I mean, when you had Jeff Goldblum and you had Kate Blanchett as Hella. Yeah, don't forget about them. Those were way better and more interesting villains than, you know, the 10 movies that preceded that in yeah. phases one and two. With the exception of Loki, almost every villain in those those first 10 movies are forgettable. And that was the trend. But that has that's a knock that Marvel always had against it. And it's something that they legitimately worked to change because there are no forgettable villains in phase three other than maybe Baron Zemo. But even then, Baron Zemo was an ancillary villain in that movie. Like yeah. he wasn't meant to be memorable because and in, in at the same time, he's is memorable for the sheer fact that he caused the dissension and the 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 separation of the Avengers. He caused yeah. that. So this idea, the, the great great points, and so this idea that that has been the trend, or that we should forgive that in this because forgettable villains has been the trend. I, I don't think we can forgive this. I don't think that would be motive for me to forgive what was done in this. I guess is what I was trying to say. Yeah, and but it, it it's one of those things that like yeah, this was a trend up until like four years ago. And yeah. it's not something that you can really continue on because as great of a film as Wonder Woman was, that was one of its hurdles that it really kind of had a problem overcoming in the end was the fact that Ares was a forgettable villain. Yeah. It, ultimately, Ares didn't matter in the end. And w- while most of Wonder Woman was good enough to make up for it, that's still a very big letdown in the third act. And Marvel's really taking it to heart to not do that anymore. They're getting and trying to make the villains even more compelling to the heroes because than the heroes, because the heroes might get four or five movies, a villain, maybe one, sometimes maybe two or three, depending on the villain. So you need that compelling villain to get all its motivations and everything that that character needs to say in a movie needs to get done in one movie. Whereas like Black Panther, you can separate his motivations and his, you know, reasons and what he does. You can spread those out through four movies because you're going to get those with him. Killmonger has to sell you in one movie. Yep. And that's what Marvel's really done lately. Okay. And I have um, just an explanation for that. Um, I really do feel that most people see superhero movies as all coming from not most, but a lot of people see it coming from the same source. So superhero movies are now a genre unto themselves. So when they watch any superhero movie, whether it's DC or it's Sony owned or it's Marvel, because it is confusing, like what's coming for what timelines are correct. What's what's connected and what's not connected. Why is connected? And they haven't really been following what has happened and the way licenses have been passed on and who has rights to what properties and what characters and all that stuff like that. And so when they say most villains are forgettable there, I think they're lumping uh, superhero movies as a genre together. And they're not thinking about, you know, the Marvel on the MCU, which is now owned by Disney. Uh, but back in the day, parts of it were owned by Fox and parts of it were owned by Sony and so on and so forth. So I think that's part of that superhero movie fatigue that people are. They're just the it's complex. They don't know what's what. So they're just like, uh, all the, you know, superhero movies, all of them have some, some crappy, forgettable villains, but that's just what they all are like. 
And so I think that's the explanation for that. Yeah. One comment I'd like to, or like one thing that I saw a few times that I'd like to address also is they were talking about how uh, some people did mention that movie critics didn't understand what was going on in a movie like Venom because it's not a traditional superhero movie that, you know, they didn't really understand that he's not a typical hero. He was, he's a villain turned hero for a little while and things like that, that they just didn't understand that. And that's why, you know, they weren't on board for this, but I, I'd have to say, I completely disagree just for the sheer fact that like, when you look at the Deadpool movies, I'm not a huge fan of Deadpool as a character. So the first Deadpool movie wasn't my cup of tea. I'm not the person that, you know, really uh, was looking for that. I wasn't the target audience for Deadpool, even though I am a huge comic book fan and I love comic book movies. I'm still not the target audience for a Deadpool movie. But then you look at Deadpool 2 and they were able to give the same things that everybody's talking about where he's isn't a traditional superhero. He does things all the time that heroes don't typically do. I mean, he kills people nonstop. He has vulgar language. He's essentially a reprehensible person in a lot of ways. I mean, he does kind of like he's a terrible person, but has a heart of gold. You know, he kind of does the right thing, which is what Venom is kind of in this role, too, as the lethal protector. He wants to help people and wants to do the right thing, but he'll go to the extremes that heroes won't. That's exactly what Deadpool is, too. But Deadpool does it right. Deadpool takes time to build that. I mean, they don't really sell him as a villain, but they do sell him as a not a traditional superhero. And to say that, like, movie critics won't understand that or non-comic book fans won't understand that, I completely disagree because both of those movies favored very well with, with movie critics in general. And as somebody who is an exo facto movie critic from doing this stuff on the site and somebody that does read the comics and does know all this stuff, it it gives Venom less validation for failing at that because I've seen it already happen on screen with another character. So you can't even give me that excuse that they tried to do it and just failed like that. They were trying to do something new, you know. I might have my issues with Infinity War, but at least I can argue that Marvel was doing something that has never been done in movie history with a movie like Infinity War. They were taking the culmination of, what, 19 movies and shoving it into one thing? Like, that's groundbreaking. Having a guy that's a slightly violent, more aggressive, and kind of foul-mouthed and down-in-the-dirt superhero, I've seen it. And they were able to do it, so Venom doesn't have that excuse this time. Yeah, that's a very that's a very super solid point, man. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Heather, what about you? Was there something you wanted? Did you have a bone to pick with some of the Cine fans? <laughs> um, I mean, I wouldn't say I have a bone to pick. I um, there was a comment in here. Um, let me find it. Um, um, there was a comment, and we kind of have been over it, but it was just one that kind of stuck out to me. Um, where somebody said that, you know, the overall plot is generic and weak, but Tom Hardy really shines as Eddie Brock and Venom. Um, again, I mean, he probably was the better part of the movie, but I don't think that he shines. I don't even think this is a role that, you know, you're going to put it on your list of that was top notch Tom Hardy work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he did the best he could with what he was given. But for me, I just, I, I wouldn't say that he, shined in the movie i just don't think anything shined in the movie um and then 
it was, uh, and then there was a comment that someone said about um, um, it, the movie made Venom more likable, which I actually, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't disagree with that. And like I said, I don't have a lot of background knowledge of the comics or anything like that, but I would say, you know, they, they did, they did make him, I guess, not like rep- like you just completely hate him as a character. You know, they did kind of try to make him more likable and it worked in some ways. So I can kind of see that point of it. Um, but I think just overall, because, you know, of my general feelings about the movie, I wouldn't say that Venom himself was likable, but I could see that point. And I think it was an interesting one to make. So uh, just to kind of piggyback off what you said, um, as far as like Venom being more likable or anything like that, I'll say that this Venom was so unlikable that it makes me not want to watch Spider-Man Far From Home, which is the next uh, Spider-Man movie from the MCU, just because Venom and Spider-Man are related characters in the comic books. (laughs) Um, One thing we haven't touched on that I do want to talk about real quick, that wig at the end on Woody Harrelson when he was Cletus Cassidy in the jail cell. Garrett kind of just summed up the entire Garrett movie. Cassidy. <laughs> it summed up the entire movie. That was probably one of the worst wigs I've ever seen in movie history. And it's like you took the movie and took its essence and made it into a wig. I thought he was going to pull out a chance to trunk full of knickknacks and make jokes. Like he was going to be like, he's going to, he's going to have a trunk. He's going to pull it out. And he's like, it's going to be carnage. And then he was going to pull out one of those uh, foam snake cartons and open it up. And the foam snakes were going to go everywhere. And he's going to stumble and trip on. And they were just going to be red and yeah, black, black. So they just look like tentacles yeah, or something. Just, just, I think, I thought, I was like, wow, here comes Carrot Top set. Yeah, man, that, um, I, you know, honestly, I would like to see Woody Harrelson as Carnage in the MCU. I hope within five minutes of getting the symbiote, uh, the symbiote just eats his hair. So we don't have to look at that fucking bullshit the rest of the we movie. We don't need these niggas <laughs> cosmetics. <laughs> just, just get rid of that shit. He should have pointed it. Yeah, we do appreciate your your feedback on Venom and things yeah, like that. Thank you. Uh, and we understand that you disagree with us. I mean, we were just kind of curious to see what the temperature was for uh, this movie when it when it comes to things like that. And... I mean, feel free to tell me to fuck off that, you know, you completely hate my opinion on this. I am 100% down for that. I understand it. It just, I cannot stress how bad this movie was to me. And I understand that you guys disagree. Like I said, I want, tell me where I'm wrong. Like, show me where I'm wrong. I want to hear that. I want you to, you know, to point out like these things that we missed or stuff like that. Like, let us know why you disagree with us on this. I mean, we love to hear from you guys. But other than that, guys, we do appreciate you for listening. Like I said before, let us know your thoughts on Venom in relation to how we thought about it. Other than that, you know, like, share, comment. Uh, You can listen to this anywhere, all major podcasts. I mean, if you're listening to it now, probably on one of those. But just in case you're on our website, this is a SoundCloud podcast. So it's on all the major podcasting platforms. Check out our website, www.cinemaslayers.com. We also have a Threadless store there where you can get some uh, really cool Cinema Slayers merch. We do have a contest going on right now where we're asking you guys to review any movie you want. It doesn't matter if we've done it. It doesn't matter if we haven't done it. It doesn't matter if that movie came out in 1964. Write a review for us, guys. We just ask that it at least be 300 words. Do it. And that you do keep it kind of clean since it is a published or it could be a published uh, review. 
because we do have some really awesome prizes. Uh, the first prize, you get a Cinema Slayers hoodie, a Cinema Slayer shirt. You get to uh, your review gets to go on the website and you also get to be a guest on this super awesome podcast. Second place, you get a hoodie and a shirt and your review gets to go up on the website. And third place, you get a shirt and your review goes up on the website. So we're looking forward to hearing from you guys on this. And uh, also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, cinema underscore slayers. Uh, then we also have the cinema slayers Instagram account. Go follow us on that. And just keep listening. Let us know what you think. And other than that, right now, we do have a little special message from Jasmine. Okay, guys. So I just wanted to take a few moments to speak about a dear friend, a dear friend and a brother, a comrade of mine, a fellow uh, wrestler and promoter that passed away recently. Um, and his name is Fred Urban III. And Fred was really the definition of what I would call a great man. Um, he lived in Odessa, Texas, and he formed alongside me and some other guys. We formed Old School Wrestling in Odessa, and it was been a prominent promotion for almost 10 years now. Um, really brought the trend of professional wrestling back to West Texas. And on top of that, we did events for a lot of charitable organizations, gave back to the community, helped some of the local uh, schools within the school district um, did a show for anti-bully and a teen suicide and along the way we brought in a lot of wrestling superstars and people that have been on television before people from Bret Hart to I mean Matt Hardy to Carlito to I mean just a bunch of different WWE superstars Mickey James have been a part of our show so over the years old school wrestling was a real prominent part of the Midland Odessa area. And it was one of the premier forms of entertainment that people could partake in, in the community. So we definitely are mourning his loss right now. There was something on the news about Fred recently talking about how it was a big, a huge blow to the community that he passed away. Um, so I just wanted to put that message out there and let people know about him and just say, you know, Fred, we're thinking about you. We know you're in a better place, man. And um, rest in peace. And I hope that um, what I've done, what what other people done and the people that and all the people that you touched and influenced, man, we're nothing but grateful for every contribution that he made. So to anybody out there that might be listening to this or knows Fred or who has been seeing all the sentiment and all the sentiment poured towards him and his family on Facebook. I just wanted to put that out there. Rest in peace, buddy. I'll see you again someday. Rest in peace, Fred. Thank you for those very kind words, Justin. Thanks for listening. Bye. 